Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. It is a new day. Did you know? Right now it is spring. Maybe for you it's summer and or fall. But I'm excited to be here. Not in the snow. Notice how I didn't even include winter in where you might be in listening to this in the space of time. (laughs) Um, Whatever time you're listening to this, right now it's spring. So just think about spring weather. Everything's blooming. We're growing. We're learning. We're moving on to this episode. To this episode of Dina. Dina lives with a whole bunch of different chronic illnesses. She has five. She wrote them out because she is on top of her game. I really enjoyed this conversation. It reminded me of my brain a little bit. She has this awesome creative side that she has this amazing illustration art that you should definitely check out on her page. But then she also is so regimented with her scheduling and writing out her symptoms and being really on top of the logistics of her chronic illness. And that left and right brain activity is something that I definitely have. And I think it's really cool that she was able to show us that even a little bit on this episode. So definitely be sure to listen in to this awesome episode. Enjoy. Let's be real. People love to gloss over chronic conditions or disabilities with a fleeting comment like, just be positive, or a fleeting insult like, Kale will cure you. This is a podcast for when you face a different reality, knowing that positivity isn't a magic wand that's going to cure everything, but a flashlight in the dark that we may or may not have batteries to. Living with a chronic illness or disability makes you feel different and your difference could be noticeable to others or not, but either can sometimes make you feel invisible. I'm here to tell you that your experience is valid and shared by others in the dark. Positivity is not the missing puzzle piece that's going to solve your life's puzzle, but it can be a beautiful tool that can help you grow and sharing those experiences can make us grow together. Pretty much raining every single day of the week. It's been a little bit rough, but you know, what are you going to do? It's April showering and we're just making Mayflowers. So that's so funny. Yeah, it's one of those things I like remember every now and then because I've been living in Los Angeles. I think it's like my fifth year. Just yeah. Yeah, actually, I just moved here like what, five years ago at the start of. March or April or something like that so it's kind of funny to remember like there's other places where it rains really frequently (sighs) here when it does people like you know it's raining because people are going to update their statuses and they're going to make like Instagram posts about it because they're like so surprised and there's like I think there's a bunch of like BuzzFeed videos like comedy videos where people like you know all like jumping together they're like gathering at the window because they can't believe that it's raining yeah that's how it is (laughs) Wow. I wish. I mean, so you said you moved to LA? Are you from somewhere else originally? Obviously. So I was born in Kiev, Ukraine. And I moved to Louisiana when I was a baby. And so I grew up in Louisiana. I ended up going to college in Savannah, Georgia. So I went to SCAD. And then I think I was in Baltimore for about a year before I moved out to LA. And cool. 
five years and it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's pretty fun to have met so many different kinds of people. I think that's the most fun. Like, I feel like I'm very much a traveler at heart. And obviously, like, the pandemic has prevented me from taking opportunity, you know, and like traveling to places over the past year. But nonetheless, like, in the past, I've gotten to meet a lot of interesting people and, you know, explore different cultures. And that's always very exciting. Yeah, no doubt. Of course. Um, what, why Louisiana? It's so funny. So, um, my dad was actually getting his second PhD in physics and he was doing research at Louisiana State University. And so I don't think he was intending to stay in Louisiana. I remember him talking about moving up to like New York or something like that. But I think it just ended up working out for him because after he got his PhD, he ended up getting a job in the area. And so we ended up just staying there. So it worked out. Interesting. What did you think about it? Um, it's. I think you hear a lot about like in the South, people really care about like hospitality and being kind to like people that come into the area. And I think that's very much like very true for it. So um, where I grew up, I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I feel like people are really homespun. They're really down to earth. It's a very different environment from like being out here where it's very fast paced. So I feel like down in the South, people don't mind like taking their time. Mm. and being a bit more slow with things which is really nice and so overall it's just like really chill like it was just a quieter place to grow up so whenever I moved out here and I started talking to people who grew up in like bigger cities I just like can't even imagine having like that much access to stuff and so it wasn't until like I think my senior year of high school where we got like a big mall and it was a big deal and everybody was hanging out there all the time you know and like trying to post pictures on Facebook about it and so I remember that being like all most of my friends were just like online I made friends on like Neopets and stuff like that and so it was definitely like a quieter place to grow up so I was able to meet people from other places because I spent most of my time like interacting with people that way nice oh that's fun I wish I I traveled around more like throughout the states I really just stayed in New York but I traveled a couple different places around like my general area so I know what it's like to move a lot and meet different people but not in different areas it's really cool that you got like the cultural side of the states and just like got to learn a little bit about each culture because they are so different I mean traveling you only get like a little taste of what each culture is about, but really diving in is really cool that you got to do that. Mm-hmm. And the food too. <laughs> and the food. Oh my gosh. I could eat jambalaya like every single day of my life. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, uh, the Cajun is so, so good. Such a good spice. Really comforting food. You know? mm-hmm. That's a good word for it. I think that was what I felt about that. It was like comforting. It's like if you weren't at your house and went over to somebody else's house and everybody like your mom always had like a ton of food (laughs) and you would just like sit out on the porch or whatever and there'd be like ducks and people would just feed them and like play video games and stuff like it was just super chill again (laughs) oh that's awesome so you've been in LA for about four years now Mm -hmm. yeah nice and um What's it like going around to different doctors and stuff when you're traveling? Have you always been going to doctors since you've been traveling? Um, so I kind of started going to doctors when I was in Savannah and things were a lot easier then. I don't have a car now, which is incredibly difficult. Oh my gosh, that. in LA, yeah. yeah. In LA it's like incredibly difficult. Um, 
but I, I did have a car when I was in Savannah. The city was also so much smaller, but when I started going to doctors, it was so much easier because everything was just like you drove just up and down Abercorn Street, which is like the main street that takes you north and south. And so it was just very easy to get to appointments. Same thing when I was in Baltimore, it was much bigger, but the driving was easier. But by the time I came out to LA, I mean, the traffic out here is insane. It is so bad. It's one of those yeah. things where like you can't turn you can't like turn left unless you're on red basically like that's how it goes because there's always so many cars piled up on each other and people are always honking at each other and so when I first moved out here I think I was driving for a while I got this like internship or something and I was like going from place to place and I like look back and I don't know how I was doing that but it was very intimidating and there was a certain point where I was just like I I can't do this anymore because my my physical illnesses were literally like debilitating me the medication the brain fog everything there was no way that I could be safe behind the wheel unless Mm. I like didn't take my meds or I like I don't know there was just a lot of stuff going on and so I made the decision to just sell the car Mm. and since then um I'm in a really good spot right now actually because I live in like the North Hollywood area and the transportation's a lot easier in this spot and there's also like apps and stuff I found where they'll basically give you free rides to certain locations in the area and so I just did a lot of research like when I realized that I was going to have you know, a lot of my hands trying to figure out how to get transportation to these different places. So I didn't have to always ask my friends for help. You know, everybody's really busy. So I just looked at different apps online. I looked at different resources. Is there stuff that's available for people with disabilities? You know, is there something like specifically that I can look for where I know that they're going to understand my kinds of needs? Mm-hmm. And so I looked at a bunch of different apps. And so I found this one called Via. And Via is the one that like takes you to like specific locations within like a pretty small radius, but I live nearby, so it works out for me. Some of my doctors are in the area. And then um, there's also like opportunities through Uber and Lyft, where like depending on certain conditions, they'll give you free rides to your doctor. So I'll be able to go to UCLA if I need to. And so I've like made it work for me. It's not easy. It is very difficult. COVID has made it so much simpler because I can just have video chat appointments with my doctors. Yeah. And even though I feel like I've had to wait an hour sometimes for an online FaceTime, I don't even mind because I'm around my house, I'm cleaning, I'm just like doing whatever. So waiting 45 minutes while I'm actively doing things is way better than sitting in an office for two, three hours and like, you know just fiddling my thumbs and reading a book. I mean, I I like to read too, but I don't know. It's just, it's a lot different and so much easier. I'm so glad that you feel that way too. It's draining too, because like whenever I had to travel out to place, it's like you plan your whole day around it. It's literally like, okay, I know that I need to be there at like 1130, which means I got to wake up at like, I don't know, 730 so that I can get all of this stuff done ahead of time. I can have my breakfast, I can shower, I can take care of everything that I need so that I can travel out there. And then you sit and wait. And sometimes they don't see you Mm -hmm. for like a good hour (laughs) or something like that. And you're sitting there and you're waiting and then you have the visit, still more waiting. And then you end up leaving. And then I'll find that like after an appointment, I have like fatigue. It's almost like my brain is like, we did it. We ran a marathon. And you know that it wasn't that much, but your brain feels like you did everything. And then you're like, you want to come home and you're like, 
I want to watch TV now. And then you have to remind yourself, you're like, oh my gosh, it's two in the afternoon. Like, yes. <laughs> I should be working. I should be doing other things. And then that guilt like weighs on you. And then you're like sitting there and you think about it. Like, yes. feel tired from the stress of thinking about it. Oh my God. That's how I feel every time. I go Me to too. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand. It's not that hard. Like I'm just sitting from one place. It like the thing is just moving. And then I get there and I just sit more. Like, it's not a strenuous activity like I'm not lifting weights or anything like that but I am so drained after every single time even if it's just an appointment we're just talking I'm not getting treatment it's just like talking about the scan whatever it's just you're right the anxiety of just getting there talking about whatever it's always uncomfortable to just experience and I'm glad you feel the same way about getting home and just like great I have all these five hours to do something and then (laughs) nope (laughs) like I am done. I am put a fork in me. I am done. (laughs) Exactly, too. And I find that it's like, you also have to do a lot of work to prepare yourself for the appointment to like prepare to talk to a doctor because sometimes they'll dismiss what you're going through or they're not always like some doctors like you're lucky. I have like my rheumatologist. I love her. I feel really like we're on the same wavelength. And so every time I see her, I don't have to worry about repeating myself a bunch of times. I feel like, you know, I definitely trust her. I feel like I trust her judgment and stuff, but there's sometimes you're meeting new practitioners or you have yeah. doctors that like they're affordable on your insurance, but you haven't found like the right fit yet. And that mm-hmm. can seriously affect your day too, because there's so much energy you have to push into like advocating for yourself, making sure like, did I cover all my bases? Did I speak up when I felt like it was necessary? Cause I really don't like the feeling of like coming back home and being like, should have said this one thing. Now I'm going to have to email them and like ask them, but it's like so much more effective when you're talking to them in person because they can see your body, they can see what you're feeling and stuff. And over email, it's not going to have the same kind of impact. So that's just like so much energy right there. And I think a lot of people who, you know, aren't disabled or chronically ill don't take into account that all these little things take up our energy in such a big way. So they might not see it on us, but we feel the difference. Yeah, that's a great point. How do you approach your doctors with symptoms that you're feeling? Like, do you have like a symptoms calendar and do you mark down like, everything that you've been experiencing and then like read it back to them basically? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I try to be really like, I wouldn't say strict, but like I try to have a list of things that I come in with. So I have like a little notes thing on my phone and every single time I feel something, I'm like, okay, what day? of the month is it like how am I feeling when I come to them again how am I going to describe to them like in the bigger picture okay this day I felt this particular way I also noticed that I felt it on other days like this so maybe it means this like I have to think about my symptoms like in this cohesive way Mm -hmm. where they're together with everything else because I think before I kind of felt like I lost a lot of time on just letting things happen and not writing them down not processing what was happening because usually there's some kind of pattern with my symptoms and those patterns are what, you know, help the doctors understand what my conditions might be. Because as soon as I bring something up, they're like, oh, I see this is actually your issue. That sounds like this condition. But if I just like randomly bring things up sometimes and not others, they're not going to be able to see those consistent symptoms that might indicate something. Totally. That's a great point. I I have done the inconsistent, I feel like this sometimes, because you don't know what the symptoms really are until you have that link. 
So like just saying them randomly, I always think to myself like I should write this down and then I forget or whatever. But I want to be more diligent about writing it down because like you're saying, you go there and it's hard to recollect what it was, how many times it happened, the like what you were doing at that moment. And I, for the most part, if it's something serious, I've noticed a, a bunch, like I'll remember it and I'll be able to tell them what they're going to ask me because I know what they're going to ask me. <laughs> and then I I tell them that, but linking it together is definitely something I've yet to do because I I end up like just running through things like maybe it's just allergies or like maybe it's just that I didn't drink enough water, which is never really the case, but sometimes it could be the case. And so like I'm go I'm doing this as I'm at the doctors and they're like all right, girl, like, what's your problem? Like, what are you trying to tell me here? And I'm like, I don't even know. So like, sometimes I feel pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally understandable. Like, it's so difficult when we're already like, we've got the brain fog or the pain or whatever. We've got these other symptoms. It's so hard to be like, oh, let's keep track of this. Like, I know that for myself, I think for a long time, I was like resistant to doing it because I was just like, why do I have to? Like, this is so much work. And it just like, I did it so much that now it's second nature. Mm -hmm. And now I have to be almost like off my phone. So I'm not writing every single thing down and like overanalyzing everything, you know, obsessively. What if this means something? It's a balance. It's mm -hmm. tricky. It's difficult. I think everybody who goes to the doctor often knows that. And it's like having to also translate like my layman's terms to a doctor, because a lot of times these are professionals who might not have chronic illness experience personally. And so they know it out of a textbook. And you have to be like, okay, what would a person who didn't have like experience think of it if they had to experience it in this moment? And how do I present it to them like quickly, efficiently, succinctly, so they get the points, so I don't like take forever and they get lost in what I'm saying. There's just so much work that you have yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the sort of, I don't want you to do too much work, but <laughs> what sort of are the the layman's terms of what your like pain feels like. I'm curious. It's a bit of everything. So I have a bunch of different stuff. So I have um, ankylosing spondylitis. And then I also have the HLA B27 gene, which comes with a variety of like conditions under it. AS is one of those that tends to like come out in people who have that gene. Um, so I have like fibromyalgia. Let's see, I wrote it all down. So I couldn't <laughs> remember. Um, I I'm a cancer survivor. So I had breast cancer. Um, and I also had a DIEP flap surgery, which affects very much like my day to day life now. So it's basically where they like, they made me gain like a lot of pounds in a month so they could take the fat out of my stomach and then make a new breast out of it. Wow. And so with the fibromyalgia, that's incredibly like painful and difficult to just like move throughout the day. So I have arthritis, migraines, IBS, ADHD on top of that, which just like makes me zany. And the list just like goes on with some of the conditions. So a lot of times I'll notice that I have pain everywhere throughout my body, except like right here, there'll be like a point on my body where I'm like, this is nice. This is like an island. Like, <laughs> I can sit in this feeling and I can experience it. And so I have to use a lot of mindfulness techniques to kind of make sure that I'm focused on the most relaxed points throughout my body. Um, usually the pain, if I'm having a flare up, it'll be like 
it'll feel like imagine you're carrying like 100 pounds in your backpack and you just you can't do anything with it and you're just standing there and you just feel like the weight is on you so this like fatigue like a compression in my muscles not necessarily like a burning except in like particular tender points it's just like a very strong aching feeling throughout different parts of my body and that's like on a bad flare day so today is not Thankfully, it's not really, nothing's really flared today. So it's more like a subtle sensation of that everywhere, but it's not like exhausting to the point that I'm like, okay, hold on. I gotta, I gotta sit down while we have this conversation. Yeah. Normally the symptoms, everything is like migraines, like obviously headaches and stuff like that. They'll come and go and they'll affect the rest of the symptoms Um, I also have like, because of the arthritis and some of my like muscle issues, I'll get just like really sore muscles that can sometimes get in the way of like doing my particular work. Like if I'm drawing or if I'm like lifting something or trying to do something with my arms and my legs, that can also be particularly painful. And that can be more of like a burning sensation, I'd say. Mm. So it all depends. It's all like a mix of what activities I've been doing and how active or not active I am because activity also can help like improve the symptoms at times yeah. or make them worse depending on what I've been doing right yeah totally and how are you with sleeping I've read that this can affect your sleep in a pretty major way yeah I don't know if I've ever had ideal sleep like some people tell me like they're just like oh I'm out like a light like I lay down oh, yeah. and that's it and I'm like I know, I know those. <laughs> I'm like how do you do that <laughs> I'm like, what is that even like? And I like try to imagine. Um, I my sleep is just pained and uncomfortable sometimes. So mm-hmm. I I'm on the hunt for like the perfect pillows right now because I think mine are just getting kind of old and I think that they're just not as supportive as they need to be. But um with like ankylosing spondylitis and fibromyalgia, it's very hard for anybody to get very restful sleep. So I almost never feel good when I wake up. Usually the pain is highest when I wake up. So I basically have to like remind myself, like I put up a mobile in my room. It's this really pretty like vintage mobile for like a kid's room or something where it's like stars and moons and stuff like that. And that's the first thing I see when I wake up. <laughs> and That's like literally what I, what I look at to remind myself like, okay, I may be feeling this way in the moment, but I don't have to act on it like the first thing I I do doesn't have to be me going oh my god I'm in so much pain right now like I can just be like I'm in pain and that is a really pretty mobile and I remember that I'm in pain and I am going to go about my day anyway (laughs) wow yeah yeah so that's what I try to do so that it's not completely overwhelming from the beginning and so that I can like set um, like an intention for the day if that makes sense yeah and set your mind straight like get it to a point where you're like accepting and almost a little bit in a routine like this is my mobile Mm -hmm. this is what I look at and like say thanks for whatever even though I'm in pain and then you go about your day exactly do you have to have long hospital stays with your illnesses um no so the longest I had recently was just with the cancer when they were like doing the surgery and doing the treatment and stuff. That was the longest hospital stay. And it was like a week or something like that for when they like did the surgery and the cancer was gone after that. 
Um, so fortunately I don't have to go in for like, I know some people go for like infusions and things like that, or they do have like overnight or week long stays. It's not really anything like that for me. It's more of like just maintenance through everything. Um, I know some people with AS have more like, their symptoms are more severe, I suppose. And so they might need more of that. And so that's something I think about for the future. Like there's definitely, there, there's no test for AS and there's no way to really like cure it. So it's always a possibility that it may become worse and I may have to go to the hospital. But for the time being, that's not been something I've had to deal with. So I feel pretty fortunate about that. And what does AS stand for? Um, ankylosing spondylitis. So basically oh, okay. it's a, I don't know if you know like what it is, but it's basically like your spine. It's like a full body like arthritis sort of like pain experience anyway. So basically you have inflammation throughout your body. And then in certain cases, people's spines will fuse. So literally like the vertebrae, the vertebrae become very hard and they stiffen together. And so people's like backs will start to curve over. So when you see patients who've had it for a very long time and they weren't able to get adequate like treatment or care ahead of time, they basically, their backs look like curves, like question marks or something like that. And so people with that have a hard time moving. They need help like tying their shoelaces and stuff like that. And so where I'm at right now, I don't have any spinal fusion yet. So I'm very thankful about that. And I'm just glad that I found out about it ahead of time because it's not an easy thing to diagnose. And so being able to find it and know that this is something I need to be mindful of for the future is extremely helpful because definitely proper physical, like mental hygiene is all very necessary. So like exercising and anything you can basically do to keep yourself in a positive mindset is super important in order to like keep the condition from progressing if that's possible. Yeah. You said you're on a treatment now for that? Yeah. So I take anti-inflammatories. Um, I haven't taken biologics yet, so those are immunosuppressants. That's, like, the next step up. Um, but, yeah, I'm on, like, inflama- anti-inflammatory medications. And, I mean, as soon as I started taking them, I was just like, oh, my gosh. That's how she needed to diagnose me because my response was so <laughs> intensely positive to taking them. I could just feel like I had never known that I was in pain because I had it for so long mm. that, like, as soon as I was getting relief, I was like, holy shit, like, <laughs> like, I feel like this, like, it feels like I'm swimming, like, my arms don't feel weighed down right now, um, so I'm on those, and she basically has me see what kind of foods are, like, inflammatory components for me, so that can be stuff, for certain people, it can be sugar, um, it can be, like, gluten, dairy, stuff like that are common, you know, inflammatory foods for people, and so she's just, like, watch your diet, you know, again, write it down so that you know what you ate, because sometimes your symptoms don't flare up immediately after eating a certain food. Sometimes it's the next day or the day after that or something like that. So it's important to keep in mind. Right now, I'm like working towards my dream. My dream anyway, is to be able to work out to the point where I can do like lifting and stuff like that. But right now, the, the arthritis and the like muscle pain with the fibromyalgia, they're just too intense for me to get to that point. But during COVID, I've been like increasing my stamina with a lot of walking. And I've been finding like proper orthotics for my feet, proper support for my legs and stuff like that so that I can do these longer walks without feeling a lot of pain the next day. So it's like a system. 
So I'm hoping like within the next few months, um, I'll be able to move up to like, like lifting weights, getting back into yoga, Pilates or stuff like that. Like some of it's going to be a little bit hard on me because of my joint pain and stuff. Like it's really hard to do floor exercises when you have that, but I'm working towards it. I see cool people (laughs) who are like, you know, they have the same condition and they're able to find a way to make it work. So I'm hoping that I can get to that point too, because in the end, that'll just be better to make sure that my illness doesn't progress in the future. Yeah, that's great. And those are great steps, obviously, to take to get to that point, because um, especially when you're able to do them, it's uh, important to work on those, even though it is the toughest to try and wake up and do workouts when you know that it's just going to make, does it make you hurt any more? Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The soreness of it. And what about Tylenol? Is that any sort of aid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I try to not take it unless it's like a really bad flare up for the most part, or I have a migraine or something like that, that just won't go away. It's super effective because yeah, it also works as an anti-inflammatory. It's just that like, I can tell that if I let myself, I would take it all the time and then it wouldn't be as like useful after a certain point. And so like, I've noticed that um, I do have to say like CBD oil, super, super, super helpful. Mm. That has been a game changer for me lately. So I usually like avoided most anything with weed because I didn't like the feeling of being high. And usually like I like to be productive and I find that if I am high, it's not helpful for me. Mm-hmm. But I did find like a certain concentration, like a very, very small dose of THC along with the CBD, which cancels out like that psychoactive feeling is actually perfect for me. So over the past month or two, I've been like on cloud nine. I've been so excited because I'm actually able to do more work because I'll take it and it removes a lot of the physical pain and it gives me like this clear headedness. So I'm actually like a lot less anxious, a lot less intimidated by stuff. And I can just go ahead and just do whatever work I was planning to do. And the pain is just not debilitating the way it is when I'm without it. So that's been like fantastic for me. I'm really happy that I found that. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I'm happy to hear that too. And is it like an all over um, like lotion almost that you do? Or is there like a specific thing? It's a tincture. So it's like an oil that I like, I place under the tongue. Okay. okay, And I just like swallow it eventually. And yeah, it takes about an hour and a half or so to like take effect. And it took a lot of practice (laughs) because there was a lot of times that I took it and I was just like, wow, like I am high. (laughs) This is not what I intended. So I've like had so many nights where I was like, I'm ready to work. I'm so excited. And then I would just get so high off my ass that I would just be like, I'm not doing anything but watching Netflix today. Okay. And then I would like go back to my notes and I would write again, like, okay, now we know like this much of the tincture too much. So (laughs) got to take like half of that and then see what happens. So now I'm at a point where I'm like super careful and I'm like, "Uh," like for me, I'm very sensitive to medication, so I don't need a lot. And I guess that's a good thing because I also don't have to spend as much money on these like very expensive oils and stuff. So I'll just like take a little tiny, tiny bit and then I'll wait and see how I feel. And so, yeah, again, like I said, it's been a game changer and I like super recommend that for people. If it's something that like is available to you in your area, I definitely recommend it. I think it's fantastic. 
That's awesome. I'm so glad that that has been really helpful for you. I give my mom little tinctures for her arthritis in her knee, but I don't know if she takes them. She's of the mindset that she's going to get like ripped. And I'm like, I don't think you're going to get ripped, mom, but like (laughs) you might get a little like loopy, but you drink wine. So I think you'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really a nice uh, substitute from taking like harder medications to take some sort of tincture or like edible or something like that, that helps you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm not at all against like taking Western medicine or anything like that. I'm just open to exploring everything because I've decided to look at it like as a fun journey. If I can, you know, ultimately like it really can only get better <laughs> for the most part, as long as I don't have like a very intense negative reaction to something like I'm overall improving my circumstances and I'm learning how to do that on my own and I think that's really fun like that feeling of building mastery for myself Mm -hmm. in that way and knowing my own body inside out is super confidence boosting too yeah absolutely and especially being like young and going through that because not a lot of people are doing those sort of things to totally understand their body and like what is telling them at all times so it's a cool feeling Mm-hmm. So tell me about your art. So are you inspired? Are most of your pieces inspired by your chronic illness? Like how do you get inspiration for your art? That's a really good question. And you know, this year was the year that I decided I'm probably going to start making artwork about the chronic illnesses because I had up until that point, like I've mostly been working on like client stuff. And so my own personal work has been mostly like fan art or just like illustrations, portraits and things like that. Um, basically my biggest inspiration is just like the human face and getting to know people uh I love like especially when I was doing more like drawing portraits of people in particular locations like live events and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um it was so much fun to get to know people and to draw their faces at the same time because I really feel like when I complete a portrait um even if it's one that I do like a commission or something at home and then I like give it to the client later it's like you get to know a person a little bit and then I love the reaction that they have when they see the finished piece and they see that I'm kind of making a statement about them or they recognize a feature of their character or something like that that you know is showing through their features and they feel really excited that's kind of what it is for me it's my favorite thing and honestly in the world probably like I just love painting people and it's like another way to like socialize too I guess because when I was a kid and I was like an only child and I was super bookish and everything and I was homeschooled for a while I made a lot of friends online and I remember thinking to myself like man like I love talking to people this is a lot of fun I think I want to do portraits because I love drawing too and drawing is just another way to get to know somebody and people are often like really excited when you draw them too so I'd make a lot of friends that way and it just kind of stuck with me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've always been interested in drawing. How did you transition to digital art? I started making digital art when I was 10 years old. Wow. <laughs> so I've been, yeah, I've always been doing it. It's kind of been like a passion of mine. I guess that's like the the plot, like the plus side of having basically like a nerdy dad <laughs> was that he loved computers. <laughs> And so he was always trying to get me to learn how to build computers, work with computers, do whatever he can. And so like he got me a tablet when I was a kid. And so I just like worked with that all the time. And I was on Neopets. And so there were a lot of other kids there who were also like learning how to draw. 
And so I basically started working on the computer, started working in Photoshop. And I think it really became an actual viable career option for me when I went to SCAD because I had a professor there who taught electronic illustration and that ended up being like my favorite class. And he was very like clear and direct with his like with like his educating and like teaching you how to use the program and stuff. And I think up until that point, I tried to teach myself on my own. And it's one of those things where like you can read a book on it, but my head is usually in the clouds. <laughs> and like reading a textbook on Photoshop was not a lot of fun for me. But having somebody like actually engaging with me was super helpful. And I like put a lot of effort into both the classes that I took with him. And after that, I like feel like I amassed a skill set that made working digitally like second nature for me. And so ever since then, that's been pretty much my primary tool of choice. So how do you, you have clients and stuff that you get work from and when you're having flare-ups and things like this, how do you manage your spoons in trying to deliver a product, but then also trying to manage your pain symptoms? It is very, very difficult. Like It's very tricky because it also depends on the client. Because I've had clients where I've been like, I really don't think I can say anything right now because I'm on such a tight deadline. I know the turnaround is here. I have to work through it and then just give myself like the best bath ever afterwards <laughs> and like treat myself five poke or whatever I want to eat and just like eat everything that I want. But then I have other clients, usually like personal clients and stuff where um, they're super understanding. You don't always have to tell them like what you're going through or what you're dealing with necessarily, but you can say like, hey, I like, I set a contract, you know, with every client and I'll just amend the contract and be like, hey, is it okay with you if we can extend the deadline an extra X number of days or whatever? Is that fine? And I clear it with them. And a lot of times people are a lot more open about that than I think maybe we would expect or we'd be nervous about it. But I think it's definitely worth having like open communication with people because eventually they also like they see you as a person and it becomes easier to communicate with you when they see you as an individual that, you know, also has life <laughs> circumstances going on just like they do. And it kind of humanizes the experience. And so it makes it less intimidating for them to reach out to you if there's anything else that they need either. So that's how I feel like I've built rapport with people over the years. Nice. And definitely like being open, but I think too, like only so open with the certain clients you know you can tell if someone's going to be a little bit more or maybe you just don't want to explain yourself like a lot of a lot of the times I just don't want to explain myself (laughs) like I just want to be like I'm out (laughs) like this is it sorry and then like I'll be back and like whatever the circumstances but I rarely want to explain. I have to go to a doctor's appointment at three o'clock. So like, is it okay if I take the bathroom pass? Like, I just don't yeah. want to, I don't want to do that. Um, so I, it is good though, to be open and um, honest with people. And it depends on the terms of the contract. Like if it's a long-term contract or if you're working with these people for just like a week or something like that, and it just happens exactly. to be the wrong week, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. And it's super like, it's super tricky. And it just takes time, like practice with it, honestly, like anything else, like learning to play it by ear. And yeah, you're not necessarily required to give them like every single reason. A lot of times, like if, you know, a client is busy or something like that, they don't need to hear every, every reason, every detail, they just kind of need 
like, oh, okay, what's the day? What's the time? How can I accommodate you? And I find that people are usually more reasonable than, again, we would expect them to be, you know, because I think we definitely, especially if you like, I don't know, like me, like I grew up chronically ill and stuff. And and I just kind of like had this idea that there is no way. <laughs> like I was like, oh, no, I can't tell people this is really embarrassing or something. Like, I found that at least in the professional world, people tend to be a lot more respectful than I would have expected or like understanding than I would have expected. And it's like important to keep that in mind as well. It's just like have an open mind, be positive about the interaction that you're going to have with this person because they're going to feel the apprehension that you have coming in and usually they're going to try to help you out. Yeah. And growing up being chronically ill, how did you sort of come to a point where you feel open online sharing your experience? Like what was the turning point where you're like, I want to share this with the world and I want to be open about it? I think it was when I had cancer (laughs) because there was no way for me to really hide it. And I think honestly, the cancer for me was, I don't know. I mean, that's just my personal experience. But for me, I found a lot to be thankful for, even though I was not enjoying it at all. Mm-hmm. The fact is, it helped me get diagnosed with so many other conditions. So my physical response to a lot of what I had to go through was so extreme that they were able to actually figure out that I had stuff like fibromyalgia and, and other conditions that I just like didn't know I was experiencing up until that point. And so it was kind of like a domino effect. So I had the cancer. I started talking about it. I started going to doctors more and like kind of assessing like, oh man, like this pain isn't going away. Oh wait, I've had this pain for a long time. I just didn't understand what does it mean? Going to a doctor, telling them about it and then getting these diagnoses and one after the other. And then being like, I already shared like the big ones. So, you know, (laughs) might as well share every single one of these. And it's tricky too. Like I get nervous sometimes. I'm always like, is it too much? But I don't, I don't think it is, you know, I think that the right people like understand. And so this is definitely, again, like a year where I basically promised myself, like, I will be more open on social media, like, especially about like, about my conditions, and about how they affect my daily life. Um, Yeah, and then like choosing not to be as apprehensive or trying to keep up this like perfect, like, appearance of like, my professional life or my work or anything like that and just trying to be a bit more humanizing towards myself (laughs) yeah but it is it's tough because you do want to have a professional page where people can look at you for work because that's the only way that people look at you for work now (laughs) but then also you want to be real like look I'm not this picture perfect person it's all a facade everyone knows it's a facade but like just a the couple photos of like the realness of (laughs) I really am not feeling hot like and this is my reality like this is what I deal with every single day and like while I looked great the other day (laughs) like I also probably had like a really high pain level so it is it's a tough balance but I think that your page is really cool and I love your artwork I think that it's so beautiful and you're very talented so Thank you. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, So throughout all of your experiences living with chronic illnesses and having cancer, do you find that you can still be positive in the day-to-day? Absolutely. I think that there's no other option. 
I think that being positive is actually what gets me through it. And so I put a lot of effort into my daily life and like how I dress, how I decorate everything, you know, how, what meals I choose to cook, like just how I choose to experience the world, at least the parts of it that I can control. I try to make them as joyful as possible because those are like, that's the foundation so that when things do get difficult and I do experience flare ups or something goes wrong or something hurts, I can look around me. <laughs> I can like look down. I can look at what I'm wearing and I can say, oh, this is lovely. I love this. I feel happy right now. And it's comforting. Yeah. And I think that's really important. That positivity is like key to getting through something like this. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be this overwhelming like gesture. It is just like, my coffee looks amazing right now. Like I could take a picture of it, but I'm just going to drink it instead. You know, like something <laughs> like that, you know, that is just like happy for you, yes. like getting dressed every day. No one really needs to see me. Like I don't have to be on the computer at any time where people need to see me. So like, it's just for me and I do like get dressed and you do get dressed. And it's like, it's so helpful, but there is times where I don't <laughs> and I'm fine with it too. Like, cause I got that coffee or something, you know, there's is something else that like you surround yourself with. You're right. And it is these little things that you put out there at some point when you are feeling good that you can look to like your mobile, mm -hmm. you can look to, and you're like, you know what? I feel like shit, but this thing is so pretty. Mm -hmm. and I did this for myself. Good. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It's like little things here and there. Every it's it's a highly personal thing. Everybody has their own like thing that makes them so happy or whatever. But that's like a reminder, and I think that's like the the kind of the blessing of having like more difficult experiences like this is that we are forced to perhaps at an earlier age than other people learn how to create these environments for ourselves and learn how to tap into that side of ourselves because it, we need it at any time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that we're able to do that for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your experience and it's so cool that you are able to make your badass art, churn them out. I'm really excited to see more of what you do. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Do you want to promote anything else? People can definitely check out my artwork. Like I go by Dina Sophia online. So dinasophia.art on Instagram. And I also have another account. I'm starting to do fashion styling specifically for people with disabilities. Other people are also welcome, but my primary focus will be on people with disabilities. And my account is flamingo.swan. And I guess if people want to look at my professional website, yeah, I guess the, the link is on the Instagram, so they'll find it when most people look at my work on Instagram, so it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything <laughs> there's anything else. If you like want to find me, you can basically find me on any website with Dina Sophia Art. You just search in the search bar and you'll find it. Nice. And are you open for commissions right now? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll hit you up for commissions for sure. <laughs> So awesome. Do you see the left and right brain there? It's just like, I'm super talented and creative and I make these beautiful illustrations of people's faces that I see 
into their souls. And yet I am regimented in writing down my symptoms. Like I want to get there. Can we get there together, people? Let's write down our symptoms all the time. But it's it's definitely a delicate balance. Like the brain plays a lot of weird games on you and acknowledging that what you're feeling is legitimate. You are validated and we are here to support you because we're all in this shit together and it is a sick, sad world. It is very strange. So thank you for being here. I hope that this helps in any sort of way. Comment below if it does. Let me know what's up. If you want to be on Still Positive, send me over an email. I will have you on here. We'll shoot the shit on your chronic illness and or disability and we'll find the connection, man. We'll find it. Man and woman or and them and the they them. All the above. Anyway, tune in to next week. Like and subscribe, comment, give me some love, and I will give you it back. Have a great rest of your day. You are beautiful. Love you. Stay safe.